Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Matthew, chapter 13. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. There are two things in the church you do not hear much talk about today. Number one, hell. Number two, the blood. Doesn't that just strike you odd? Now, you can hear plenty of teaching on health, wealth, prosperity, name it, claim it, blab it, and grab it. You can hear as much teaching as you want anywhere, anytime, any place. Turn on TV, you can hear it. Don't misunderstand me. We serve a God who provides for us. Amen, saints? We serve a God who loves us, cares for his children, has never seen the righteous forsaken, nor received begging bread. He will always take care of you. If you agree with that, say amen. amen. But we also serve a God who is a God who will judge the unrighteous. And I'm amazed at how people just won't talk about the, I love singing songs about the blood. You cannot sing enough songs about the blood of Jesus. You know why? Because when the world's going this way here, they're not singing about the blood. Pastor Rodney in Calvary Chapel wants to go this way. Don't follow the world and you'll always be all right. You'll always be fine. You're always going the right direction. If the world's going that way, you go this way. If the world's going this way, you go that way. And you'll always know you're following the Lord because people are not going to be going that way. That's a whole nother sermon. I love singing songs about the blood. And I love it when it's the blood, it's the blood. It's the blood, it's the blood. You know that song, the blood that Jesus shed for me way back on Calvary. The blood that gives me strength from day to day. It will never lose its power. I can't sing the whole song right now because I got to preach. People are not talking about the blood. Ah, that's yucky. We don't need to talk about the blood. Let me tell you something. If you're a Christian, you are a Christian by the blood. If you're a Christian, you're here today, you're here because of the blood. Jesus died on Calvary Street and shed his blood. And without the blood, we're all lost. We got to preach about the blood. We got to keep that as the forefront of our Christianity. And when the world's talking about it's yucky stuff, I'm saying, no, thank you for the blood. And we don't hear much talk about hell because it's not politically correct. You don't talk about hell. I mean, people have all kinds of ideas about hell. I recently read a survey that said it was determined that 35% of Baptists, get this, 54% of Presbyterians, 58% of Methodists, 60% of Episcopalians do not believe in a literal place called hell. 
71% of the eight leading seminaries in the United States do not believe in either heaven or hell. That should shock you. That's alarming. Doc, that's alarming. When in fact, the Bible is clear. Jesus believes in hell. The devils believe in hell. The Bible has a lot to say about hell. Hell in the New Testament alone, the eternality of hell is mentioned 126 times in the Bible. The, the reality is hell is a real place. And most certainly in the church today, we do need to preach about hell. We need to tell people about hell. If I am a pastor and I say that I love you, then I got to tell you about hell. I got to preach about hell because it's important to me. Listen, it's important to me that when I stand before God, like Paul the Apostle, said in Acts chapter 19, he said that I have not, chapter 20, he said that I have not declared, shunned to declare unto you, talking to the Ephesian elders, I have not shunned to declare unto you the full counsel of the word of God. A part of the full counsel of the word of God is the doctrine of hell. And I cannot stand before God and say, God, I have preached the full counsel of your word if I don't tell you about hell. There was a bishop, an evangelical bishop of Liverpool. His name is J.C. Ryle. And he said, listen to this. The watchman who keeps silent when he sees the fire is guilty of gross neglect. The doctor who tells us we are getting well when we are dying is a false friend. And a minister who keeps back hell from his people in his sermons is neither faithful nor a charitable man. That's true. Jesus talked more about hell than any other prophet or preacher in the Bible. Did you know that? As a matter of fact, get this. Jesus talked more about hell than he did about love. Now, things that make you go, hmm. Did you know? Jesus talked more about hell than he did about love because he spent more time showing love than he did talking about it. But Jesus talked about hell more than any other preacher or prophet in the Bible. And basically Jesus says simply this, you don't want to go there. And the kids say, oh, you don't want to go there. No, you don't. You really don't want to go there. He knows what it's like because he's actually been there. Now, I realize people have different interpretations about hell and about the doctrine of hell. Some people talk about even after you die that there's annihilation. They talk about annihilation, meaning you just go into nothingness. There are some people who believe in hell on earth. Can I tell you something? This is not hell. I don't care how bad your life is. This is nothing like hell. Nothing like hell. For the Christian... This is as bad as it gets. For, for the non-believer, this is as good as it gets. Because from here, it's downhill. No pun intended. You see? 
So Jesus has a lot to say about hell. People have different ideas about hell. and I don't want to take time to talk about all of them, but I will just simply tell you this. People who tell you that they don't believe in hell, I, 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 I hear you, but, but you got to understand something. If you're here this morning, you don't believe in hell. May I just say to you in love and respect that just because a person doesn't believe in hell does not make it one degree colder or one minute shorter. It doesn't. Hell's a real place. Hell is a real place. It's a place of outer darkness, the Bible says, where there's weeping and, and, and gnashing of teeth. Hell is totally dark and miserably hot. You can't see anyone, but you can hear the torment. Body and soul will be tormented in hell forever. And get this, that has probably got to be the worst thing about hell is that it is forever. You see, if you've got problems in your life today, well, understand something. Someday you've got a light at the end of the tunnel. You're thinking, hey, it's bad now, but it's going to get better. But in hell, it's not like that. In hell, the worst thing about hell is that it's forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. It never gets better. It never ends. It's got to be the worst thing about hell. People say, how can a loving God send you to hell? A loving God doesn't send you to hell. Matter of fact, a loving God hates hell. God hates hell. He hates hell. Hell was not created for men. Hell was created for the devil and his angels. That's why they call it a devil's hell. Because it was created for the devil and his angels. God hates hell. As a matter of fact, in Ezekiel chapter 18, verse 23, it says, Do I have any pleasure at all that the wicked should die, says the Lord God? And not that he should turn from his ways and live? You see, God wants every person to go to heaven. Everybody. He wants everybody. But the truth is, everybody doesn't want to go to heaven. And so God being a gentleman, he honors people's decision to not be with him in heaven. If you don't want to be there, then you're going to hate it. And he's not, he doesn't want you to hate where you are for eternity. So if you choose hell, that's your choice. That's not God's design. So the question then is, where are you going to spend eternity? Everybody has eternity. Did you know everybody has eternal life? The question is, where will you spend it? We all have eternal life. Where will you spend it? The Bible says that it is appointed unto men once to die and then judgment. We're all going to die someday. We're all going to take our last breath and we're going to die. Where are we going to spend eternity? And listen, if we truly believe in this doctrine of hell, then we need to tell people. Now, I'm not saying tell them, you know, hey, man, how you doing? Good. Oh, did you know you're going to hell? That's kind of not what I'm saying. But I'm saying if you really believe it and you really love people and you really care for people, and you got a friend, then why don't you tell them about the realities of hell if they don't know the Lord? Listen at this letter. I've read it in the past. I'll read it again. It says, my friend, I stand in judgment now and feel that you're the blame somehow. While on this earth, I walk with you day by day and never did you point the way. You knew the Lord in truth and glory, but never did you tell the story. My knowledge then was very dim. You could have led me safe to him. Though we lived together here on earth, you never told me of your second birth. And now I stand this day condemned because you failed to mention him. You taught me many things, that's true. I called you friend and trusted you. But I've learned now that it's too late. You could have kept me from this fate. 
We walk by day and talk by night, and yet you showed me not the light. You let me live and love and die, and all the while you knew I'd never live on high. I called you friend in life, and I trusted you in joy and strife. And yet, in coming to this end, I see you really weren't my friend. Got a friend? You should tell them. Love them enough to tell them the truth. The truth. There's a real heaven and there's a real hell. Are you ready? And then notice in verse 51, Jesus then asks, are you getting this? In the Greek language, or do you understand? In the Greek language, it literally says, are you putting this together? Keep it in context. Notice he's talking about, are you putting it together? Talking about the reality of judgment. Do you believe in the torment of hell? And that's the question for all of us this morning. Do we understand? And if we understand, then that should be the motivating force behind the ministry. Here at Calvary Chapel, give a kid a chance in vacation Bible school. It's all about the fact that we understand the reality of judgment. We understand that it is important to share the gospel with kids so that they can come to know Jesus and adults. Remember, 504 kids will be in here doing give a kid a chance, as well as at least one adult for every group of kids. So it's all about the reality that we really believe the word of God says that, 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 that many will die. Billy Graham did a, did a report and he, and he pointed out that the kids from the age of zero, get this, to 14 years old are more likely to accept Christ and at a higher percentage they accept Christ than, than any age preceding. In other words, by 14 years old, If you don't get them to Christ, it's going to be tougher. Why? Because of life, because of situations, because your heart gets hard as you grow and have problems and struggles. And, you know, you start getting your own mind and what you're going to worship and who you're going to worship. And and, and you start turning all kinds of weirdness and all kinds of stuff. And, you know, before you know it, you're worshiping a head of lettuce and you don't know. And it's just not crazy. And your heart's all hard. And you you, you know what I'm saying? And so you got to get them by their 14. Because their hearts are soft and you get the seed of the word of God in their hearts. You give a kid a chance and vacation Bible school is all about the reality of judgment. We know that. And so we're getting them to Jesus. It's all about Jesus. All about Jesus, 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 Jesus. That's what it's all about. It's not about making a big church or getting people to recognize Calvary Chapel. We, I don't care. Come if you like. I mean, I, I'm glad you're here today. Don't misunderstand me. But, and come back, please. Y'all come back now, you hear? You know, look, but it's not about that. It's about Jesus. And Jesus is saying, do you understand the reality of judgment? Notice again, our last parable, the parable of the householder. Look in your Bibles, I gotta move on. Verse 52, Jesus says, if you understand kingdom parables, you are like a scribe who owns a house And from the house, he has new and old, or new innovations and old antiques, treasures. If you understand the kingdom parables, Jesus says you're like a scribe. Now, what do scribes do? Well, scribes had the responsibility basically of four things, if you're taking notes. Scribes had the responsibility of preserving, to study, to teach, and to apply the law to life. 
to preserve, study, teach, and apply the law to daily life. Scribes, first mentioned in the Bible, in the book of Ezra, in the days of Ezra. You might remember Ezra, who brought a group of people back to Jerusalem, and they were to rebuild the walls that were broken down in Jerusalem. And you'll find that in Nehemiah chapter 8. As a matter of fact, turn there really quickly. Keep your finger in Matthew. Turn to Nehemiah chapter 8. Turn quickly. First Chronicles, Second Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah. If you've gone to Esther, you've gone too far. Back up. Ezra, Nehemiah chapter 8. Look at this. You've got to see this. You've got to see this. This is awesome. Look at this, Ezra, Nehemiah, chapter 8. Now look at verse, uh, look at verse 4. Nehemiah, chapter 8, beginning in verse 4. If you're there, say amen. amen. Okay, good. Now notice this. So Ezra, the scribe, stood on a platform of wood. Here's the first mention of a pulpit, by the way. He stood on a platform of wood, which they had made for the purpose And beside him, at his right hand, stood a bunch of guys. You can go ahead, read them for yourself. You try it. And in verse 5, Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was standing above all the people. And when he opened it, all the people stood up. So go ahead, quietly stand up. Now... Yeah, okay. So look at you obedient Christians. You all stood up. All the people stood up. And look at your Bibles. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. And then all the people answered what, saints? Amen and amen. See, these guys were Pentecostal. These, these guys were Pentecostal, man. They were like, amen, amen. And while lifting up their hands, they bowed their heads and they worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. And then a bunch of guys and all the people in verse 7 stood in their place. So they, would you underline this, remember it, highlight it? They read distinctly from the book in the law of God and they gave the sense and helped them to understand the reading. This is a first mention of verse-by-verse teaching. They understood. And they read it, notice, distinctly and helped them to understand the reading. Sit down quietly, if you will. So this is what the scribes did. And then many years went by. The scribes became more concerned about man-made law, and they began to add burdens to the lives of the people using the law. Now, notice what Jesus is saying here. Jesus says you should be like a scribe who seeks the truth. And the truth is found from the old and the new. In other words, the truth is found from the Old Testament and the New Testament. Now, how many times do we meet people who have have said, you know, I'm a New Testament Christian. I'm into the new covenant. Well, so am I. I think that's great. But don't forget about the old covenant. You see, that's why we teach verse by verse here at Calvary Chapel. And that's why on Wednesday night, not this Wednesday, but the following Wednesday, we'll be starting a verse by verse teaching in the book of Daniel. 
But we do that because on Wednesday night, we're in the Old Testament. On, on Sunday morning, we're in the New Testament because I believe that the old and the new are important. And so that way you're teaching the whole Bible. How important is that? See, you can't throw out the old covenant. We need them both. And if you get stuck in the old, see, there's a danger of getting stuck in the old. If you get stuck in the old and you fail to look at the new, you will become narrow. And a lot of people are narrow. You know, I like all the old stuff. How many times do we talk to people and they say, you know, I, I, you know, I like the way it used to be. In the old days, they say. You know, I love the hymns. I, I also love the modern day praise and worship. I love it all. You see, don't get stuck in the old. Because if you get stuck in the old, you're going to become a crusty old Christian. Don't, now tell me you don't know some. They're just crusty. You know, how you doing? Oh, I'm, I'm Old Testament. Okay, okay, I know. You know, I, Elvira and I used to pray for elderly people to come to Calvary Chapel. And God's been faithful there. I love elderly people because, you know, they have a value and, and a wisdom that they bring to the fellowship. I tell people there's three times in life where people, where women are most beautiful, and that is when they are pregnant. Well, let's do it in this order. When they are married, when they, <laughs> when they are married, say amen. Okay, good. When they are pregnant and when they're elderly, Christians, beautiful, beautiful. Don't become a crusty old Christian. Guys, don't become a crusty old man. Love the Lord. Worship the Lord. Go to a church where young folks is there. You're going to get old if you hang around too many old people. I don't know. And that's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, look. The one who can draw from the old and the new will be wise like a scribe. And then in verse 53 through 58, saints, we have covered these verses in previous studies. If you were not with us, feel free to visit the tape library, pick up a CD of uh, this particular text. But back in Matthew, let's just read it so that we can be covered here. Matthew 13, look at verse uh, 53. Now it came to pass in verse 53, when Jesus had finished these parables that he departed from there. And when he had come to his own country, that would be Nazareth, he taught them in the synagogue so that they were astonished. And they said, where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works? Is this not the carpenter's son? See, they knew him. But familiarity brings contempt. Is this not the carpenter's son? Is this not his mother called Mary and his brother James and Joseph and Simon and Judas and his sisters? See, Jesus had brothers and sisters. Are they not all with us? Where did this man get all these things? So they were offended at him. Why? Because they knew him. Familiarity brings contempt. They knew him. But Jesus said to them in verse 57, A prophet is not without honor except in his own country and in his own house. Now, when he did not, now he did not, in verse 58, do many mighty works there. Why? Because of their unbelief. And we talked about the unpardonable sin, the failure to believe in Jesus, the failure to believe in the work of the Holy Spirit. 
People say God will never leave you. They say, oh, he'll never, ever, 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 never, ever leave you. Well, there is a time in which he will leave you. There's a time in which he will depart from you when he finds that you're in the area of unbelief. Jesus can do nothing in your life if you don't believe. Now, it's not all about your faith. It's not all about what you believe. You know, like, 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 like Thomas said, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Yeah, those areas of doubt and unbelief, but if you don't believe in God, he can't do anything in your marriage, in your children, in your home, in your life, in your job, in your health, in your hope. God can't do anything in your life if you don't believe. And he couldn't do anything among them because they didn't believe. A prophet is not without honor except in his own country, in his own home. So believe the Lord. Believe in the reality of heaven. Believe in the reality of hell. And God will save you. You call out to him. If you're here and you're not born again, you ask the Lord to come into your life today. And don't leave church without him. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccary.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.